This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, New Life. My name's Kevin. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I would love to meet you after service in the lobby. And I want to tell you, uh, there is something that I'm about to share, and when I get done sharing it, you're going to want to burst into spontaneous applause. So I just wanted to tell you, prepare yourself for spontaneously applauding. Just get ready to spontaneously applaud. No, no, come on now. Come on now. That's a little too spontaneous, people. Come on. Hey, today, this is what we're going to, we're going to get excited about. Today, but not yet, today is Baptism Sunday, and, and we've already seen five people get baptized in our first service. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? And I think we have somewhere around nine people who have planned on getting baptized today. So some of you might be in here right now, and I want you to know we're excited for you. We're going to celebrate that applause you just heard. It's going to be even greater as we get to participate in your baptism today. But there's a whole other group of us who are here today, and we didn't come planning on getting baptized, and yet something is going to happen. God's going to stir something in you today, and you're going to say, you know what? I'm ready to take this step and get baptized. And, and if you're new to Christianity, I'll lay this out a little more later, but baptism uh, is simply a a physical expression of something that's happening internally. And and here's what we do. We get you in this nice warm uh, tub of water, and we take you down, which signifies dying to your old way of living, where you were in charge and you were the boss. And then we raise you out of the water, signifying being raised to new life as a follower of Jesus. And it's it's a powerful time. And listen, if you weren't planning on getting baptized— we have, we have a shirt that you can throw on over your clothes. We have a towel for you. We have a photographer that's going to take pictures for you. And listen, you're already going to get wet when you go outside anyway. You might as well get wet with warm water first before you have to get the cold water second. So that's just one thing to celebrate today. But how many of you are tired of the dirt parking lot out there? Is anybody getting tired of walking in the dirt and mud? Yeah. You're, Listen, it, it seems like God is continuing to move and, and bless us, and I believe this is going to be our last rainy season with a dirt parking lot. Like, so we're going to get paved here in the next couple of months. So that's something to be excited about. Yeah. I'll share more about that next week as we kick off our brand new series. I'll be sharing a whole bunch of information with you guys about what God's been doing and what he's continuing to do in our church. And then the third thing, and this is something to celebrate, but also to be praying about so far, uh, this roof is holding out, but it's over 30 years old, and it always leaks. And so if, um, if it starts leaking on you, maybe that's a sign that God wants you to get baptized today. I don't, I don't know. But uh, our friend Dan George has a roofing company. He's part of our church. He comes and volunteers his time and his staff to patch this thing together the best they can, but this roof is, is pretty much done. And so we're praying that God would give us a new roof, so this would be our last rainy season inside the church. So you can just be praying with me about that, and let's celebrate we're trusting that God's going to do that. You're all looking up now. Uh, that won't make it stop. So you can just look at me. That'd be fine. Uh, hey, why don't you go ahead and do a few things to get us started together on this journey. The first is grab this card that says start here. This is our connection card and just put your name on it. And if you're new with us, would you put your email address on it? And you don't even have to do anything with it yet. But, but if, you, if you begin to trust us as the morning goes on, I'm going to ask you to do something with this a little bit later. But this is simply a way for us to connect to connect with you, for you to connect with us, and ultimately our goal, and you're going to hear me say this almost every week, our goal as a community of faith is that when you're ready to make that decision to really start following God, 
we want to be the church that partners with you on that journey. So we won't cold call you. We won't bug you. We just simply want to be available to you to partner with you on the journey of faith that God is inviting you onto. And that card's just key for helping us do that. So you can, you can fill that out. The other thing you want are your teaching notes. And they say be- the beginning at the top. And while you're filling out your card and while you're, you're getting your teaching notes ready, I just need to brag for a minute about my daughter, Maddie. Uh, Maddie's six years old, and, and she's—I have two kids, Maddie and Landon. Landon will be four on March 2nd. But, but Maddie's six years old, and uh, last summer, a friend of mine, Jen Bagwell, who's part of our church, she has a photography company called Jen Bagwell Photography. It's great. Well, she took some family photos for us for the first time ever. We got them back, and they were so good. And Maddie came to me, and she said, Dad, I want to take this, this family photo, and I want to draw a picture of our family from it. I said, Okay. So she took the picture and took it to her room, shut the door. She was in there for hours, like two or three hours, drawing this picture. And I, I knocked, honey, are you okay? Dad, I'm, I'm busy, artist at work, you know? She's, so I'm like, okay. So I leave and I come back, honey, do you want some food? She's like, I can't eat right now. I'm, I'm drawing this picture. And she came out like three hours later with the most amazing picture. I think we actually have a, a picture of the picture she drew of our family. It was, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Look at, look at the detail in that picture. She's sick. Yeah, look at the detail in that. You can, I mean, it's so, it's so detailed. It's almost like someone took a photo on their, on their phone and put it through a picture app and put a, a crayon filter over it. It's almost like that. That's how detailed my, my daughter is, how good she is at drawing pictures. And if you believe my daughter drew that, I've got some magic beans I want to sell you after service. So come talk to me. I have something for you. No, this is actually, this is, this is my daughter's family portrait, which is also very good. You can clap. Yeah, you can clap. It's, it's, it's pretty darn good. I think um, a child psychologist would have a field day with the way she drew and perceives our family. Landon's got big arms because he's always hitting her, and I just think that's part of that. But this is, this is Maddie. Now, we're all born with, with different artistic levels, but we would all say that in order to reach our full artistic potential, we would need to learn from a master artist. And that's true in any area of life. If you want to become a master at what you do, it doesn't matter how naturally gifted you are starting out. You need to learn from and be trained from a master in that field. And the more you learn and are trained from a master in that field, the more you will become a master and be able to actually draw pictures like that. And the same is true in life. If you want to reach your full life potential, you and I have to put our hands in the life of the master artist. And that's what I want to talk about today. We're wrapping up a series that we've been in for the last six weeks called Ask It. And this series came up because I heard a pastor preach it about a year and a half ago, and I remembered it a year and a half later. And anything I can remember for a year and a half, I thought, man, our church needs to hear this. So I grabbed it and put our own new life spin on it, and I've been sharing it with you for the past six weeks. Uh, but if you're new, here's the, here's the backdrop for the series. We've been asking one question that we believe answers almost every other question. And the question is simply this, and you can help me out if you've been around. What is the, why, hey, you've been listening. Why, yeah, what is the wise thing to do? And we're not talking about legal or illegal, because we all had times in our teens and our, our 20s and our 30s that we did something that was illegal or was, was legal. You're thinking, you're thinking spring break or, you know, whatever. But that legal thing led to some of our greatest regrets. We're not talking about legal and illegal. It's, it's better than that. We're zooming out. And we're not even talking about right and wrong. Oftentimes in church, we get stuck on what's right and what's wrong. But the truth is, 
you didn't start out with some of your worst regrets, didn't start out as wrong decisions. They started out, and we've been talking about this way over here, as a series of unwise choices. And you walked these unwise choices to a ledge, and then you jumped off making some of your worst decisions. And they were financially destructive decisions, relationship-ending decisions. They were wrong choices, but they didn't start out as wrong choices. They started out way over here as unwise, unwise choices that walked us to a life-changing wrong choice. So we're not talking right and wrong. It's better. It's better than that. Because we believe that God, that God is for you, and that God loves you, and that he loves me. And so he is not so concerned with whether or not we come to some imaginary line at the end and jump off. He wants us to have a life without regret, way over here. So what's the wise thing to do? And we've been looking at it in light of three dimensions, in light of our past experience, because your past is yours. It's not his, it's not hers, it's not theirs, it's, it's yours. So in light of your past experience, what's the wise thing to do? In light of your current life circumstance, with your marriage, with your job, stage of your kids, what's the wise thing for you to do? And in light of your future hopes and dreams, what do you want your life, your job, your finances, your family to look like in five years, 10 years, 20 years? In light of your future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do today. And I designed this series to kind of be like an hourglass. We started really big for the first few weeks, and then we got real specific, talking about time and talking about uh, sexuality and ethics and talking about community. We got real narrow, and now I want to take the hourglass back out and zoom way out again and talk about one more big wisdom principle that I'm going to expand on for the rest of our morning together. And the wisdom principle is in your notes, and it's simply this— To make wise decisions in any arena of life requires that we understand and submit to the principles and rules that govern that arena of life. And we do do this all the time, and I'll, I'll share how it comes out in just a second. But to make wise decisions in any arena of life requires that we that we understand and submit. And that word submit. It's a, it's a Christian term. It basically means that we place ourselves under the authority of those rules. So to make wise decisions means we have to understand the rules of that area of life, and we have to place ourselves under the authority of the rules that govern that area of life. Here's what I mean. A football coach has to make decisions every single game, but they have to function in the in the rules of the football game. For example, if a football coach is at the one-yard line, he can either run the ball or he can throw the, the ball. Is that? I laughed out loud when I thought about that yesterday. Sorry if it's too soon. I didn't mean to offend any. That's so funny. But he has to do it with, that's so good, within the rules of the game, of the game. Or how about a pilot? When, when you take a flight, don't you want your pilot to understand and put himself under the authority of the rules that govern aerodynamics to know how to go up and how to come down and how to do it at a gradual pace? Of course you do. When you go to the doctor and you have to have surgery, don't we want our doctor to understand and submit to the rules and the principles that govern the human body so they can know where to go in and what to do so they can fix us? Of, of course we do. This, this principle, it happens in every area of life. And here's the thing that they all have in common. It's not enough just to understand the rules of football, of aerodynamics, 
of the human body. In order to make wise decisions, we actually have to submit to, place ourselves under the authority of the rules and principles that govern that area of life. And here's what I know about you, because you and I aren't that different. I, I just happen to have a microphone today, and I'm not sitting down there, but last week I was sitting right down there listening just like you are. You and I want to make wise life decisions, and we don't want to make wise decisions in one or two areas of life. We want to make wise decisions in every area of life, because here's what you already know. It's not enough to, to have a really great work experience and your job's going gangbusters and you're getting new clients and, and you're making a lot of money and, then, and maybe that you're, you're really healthy and things are going great there. But if your marriage is falling apart, how's your life? Two out of three, you would think two out of three ain't bad. But we don't want to be wise in just two out of three areas because we all know that if your marriage is falling apart but you've got a great job, you're still going to be miserable or, or flip it around. Your marriage is great. Your kids are great, but you can't hold down a job. Is there some tension there? Of course there is. You and I don't want to be wise in one or two or three areas of life if we really think about it. We want to be wise in every area of life. And if that's true, if we want to make wise life decisions, again, we're zooming way out today, wouldn't it benefit us to learn from the master painter who painted this world? Wouldn't it benefit us to put our, hand, our lives in the hand of a God who painted this world into existence, who's painting our life story? See, we talk about God all the time like a personal, loving, heavenly Father, and, and God is. God shows himself to be so loving and so caring and so personal, like a father who's chasing after his kids all the time just to bring them home. But did you know the Bible also talks about God as the creator and the sustainer of the world, the one who put this whole thing together and the one who holds it together. In fact, a guy named Paul who wrote the majority of the Old Testament of the Bible wrote a letter called Colossians. And in Colossians, he talks about Jesus. And notice what he says in verse 16. He says, for in him, he's talking about Jesus, in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, things that are visible and things that are invisible, whether they're thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And then verse 17, he is before all things. And in him, and I want you to underline this last part, in him, all things hold together. All things hold together. Now, I want to pull over to the side of the road for a second, because there are at least three things here that are fundamental to understanding the God of the Bible. So if you're new to Christianity, if you're new to, to church, I want to share just three kind of big insights for you, and then we'll keep going. Paul says that Jesus is God, that he was before anything came to be, that Jesus is God. He's not a God in a, a plethora of various gods and goddesses. He is the God. And the Bible from cover to cover says that Jesus is the one and only God. And Paul says Jesus is eternal. He says he was before all things. Before there was a was, Jesus was. So God's eternal. Jesus is God. And the final thing he says is Jesus is consistent. I had you underline, he holds all things together. And he does it continually and consistently. And he has from the creation of the world, and he will as long as the world holds together. And that's why you, can, you and I can expect certain things 
consistently in life. And we're thankful we do. We actually take this for granted every day. But have you ever stopped to realize how thankful you are that gravity is a consistent thing that God holds together? That you don't have to walk around with a cement brick tied to your leg because you never know when you're going to float away. Why? Why Why don't you have cement tied to your leg? Because you know that gravity is a consistent and you're going to stay here. You're going to stay here. Or how about this? Think about having to wake up every morning and figure out, now how am I supposed to breathe today? Yesterday I breathed out of my mouth, but today am I supposed to breathe out of my fingers or out of my toes or out of my ears? Listen, I don't know about you, but I couldn't make that decision before my first cup of coffee. I'm I'm so thankful that God gave me consistency in my body so I know when I wake up, without even thinking about it, oh, that's how I breathe every day, constantly and consistently. Because Jesus created the world, and Jesus holds the world together consistently. So if we make certain choices in partnership with Jesus, we can expect certain consistent results. The Bible, from cover to cover, talks about Jesus like a master artist who's painting the world into existence and who's sustaining the world, who's holding the world together. And wouldn't it make sense if you and I want to do life well that we would choose to learn from him? And that's exactly what we see as we look at the book of Psalms. In Psalm 111, the author says this. He says, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. And that word fear of the Lord, that phrase fear of the Lord, basically means this. Fear means like to revere God, to have reverence for him, or to be in awe of God. Not just like, wow, God, God's a pretty cool, he's a pretty cool God, but to be in such awe of God that it transforms the way that we live our life, not just on Sunday morning, but on Monday through Saturday. To say, God, I am so in awe of you. I admire you so much that, that it's going to change the way I live. And the author says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation for true wisdom. And then he says, all who obey his commands and I want you to underline these next two words, will grow, will grow. We're going to come back to that because that's kind of a sticking point. All who obey his commands will grow in wisdom. You could say it this way, and this is one of your notes. To make wise decisions in life requires submission, placing ourselves under the authority of the author of life. That's how we make wise decisions. But here's the tricky part of it, and this is where you and I get stuck a lot, if we're totally honest. David says, everyone who obeys God's commands, and you underlined it, will grow in wisdom in the future. He's saying, we start by obeying, and then as we obey, we will grow in wisdom, which means there are going to be times as we follow God that obeying is going to come before understanding, that obeying comes before wisdom. The implications are that there are going to be times when what God says just doesn't make sense to us. There are going to be times that what God says makes sense in our heads, but doesn't make sense in our hearts. And we think, yeah, I know intellectually that's probably true, but man, it hurts my heart to think that that could be true. There are going to be times when we just plain old don't agree with what God says. And in those moments, we have a decision to make. Are we going to choose to follow God anyway or not? Because remember, God's a gentleman. 
He, he doesn't force himself on any of us. He, he, he leads us to wisdom. He guides us. The Bible says that God's Spirit reveals truth to us and wisdom to us and actually even prompts us to do the right thing. But God, he's a gentleman. He won't force himself on any of us. He gives us free choice. And here's the sticking point for so many of us. It's not until we choose to obey in certain areas that we will gain understanding, that we will gain wisdom. So I'm about to say something, but before I do, I just need to give a disclaimer. This thing I'm about to say, you and I will only do it if, if we believe that God is for us and if we believe we can trust him. But here's the trick. The more we do this thing I'm about to tell you, the more we'll see that God is for us and the more we'll see we can trust him. And in order to do this thing I'm going to tell you, it's going to require that we take a step of what the Bible calls faith to see if we can trust God. Because the thing I'm going to say, you and I will never do it if we, if we don't believe God is for us, has our best interest at heart, and if we don't believe we can trust him. But the more we do it, the more we'll see that God is for us and the more we'll see that we can trust him. And here's what it, here's what it is. To understand why in life, sometimes we have to submit and apply. To understand why, submit and apply. And see, we use this principle in other areas of our lives all the time. To understand why, submit and apply. If you get a new job and your company wants to succeed, oftentimes they'll put a mentor over you and that if you're wise, you'll listen to that mentor and that mentor will tell you, hey, we do this this way at our company. We do this this way at the company. And there are going to be times when you don't understand why the company does things the way they do. But if you're smart and if you want to succeed in the company, you will submit to the leadership of your mentor and you will do the thing that they tell you to do. And then you will see why. We, we do this all the time in other areas, but we have a hard time understanding it when it comes to our faith. And how much more important are wise life decisions? How much more important is our faith than our job? To understand why, submit, and apply. If it's true that God created the world, that he sustains the world, that he holds it all together, and that he knows how life works, wouldn't it make sense that we would want to follow God's wisdom if we want to live a wise life, a life free of regret. So I want to give you some practical tips. How, how do we do it as we wrap our time up together? Well, the first is this. Get an easy-to-understand Bible and begin reading a little bit every day. Remember, I said three weeks ago, little investments of time over time make a big difference. I'm not inviting you to read five chapters every single day to get through the Bible in six months. I'm not saying that. What if you just read 10 minutes a day of an easy-to-understand Bible to understand what God actually says. By the way, two easily understandable translations would be the New International Version, the NIV, or the New Living Translation, the NLT. And if you don't have a Bible out at our Guest Central, we have Bibles. We'd love to give you one. It's the New International Version. Just take it. You don't have to sign anything. You don't have to give anything. We want to give it to you as a gift because we believe that God's wisdom is held inside that book. But that book does no good on the coffee table. It only does good if we open it for 10 minutes a day, every day, and read it. And listen, listen, you can even count Sunday morning church as one of your days. So that's just six days a week. You can even take the seventh one off. I'll just tell you what it says. That's pretty good. That's a good deal. That's a good deal. The second one is this. We got to get plugged into a life group. We got to get plugged into a life group. If you want to know God's wisdom, 
invest with a group of people who are seeking God's wisdom together. Pastor Ron shared a great sermon last week about uh, forming community and inviting people to speak into your life. And I got to hear it multiple times. And as I was thinking through it the second time I heard it, I thought to myself, it's so much easier for me to have people speak into my life when I'm actually inviting them to. Have you ever noticed that? It's hard for someone to speak into your life when you don't want them to. But the minute we invite it, our defenses go down, the walls go down, and we actually invite them to speak. It's so much easier to hear it that way. And when you join a life group, what you're doing is you're stepping in and you're saying, I'm inviting you to speak into my life. And when we do that, the wisdom of God begins to flow into our lives. And it's a great thing. And if you're already in a life group, fantastic. But if you're not in a life group, it's not too late to sign up. Out at Guest Central, there are little uh, life group brochures. There's a little life group sign-up card. You can just fill out the card, find the group you want, and then drop it in the little basket there, and we'll get you plugged into a group this week because we think it's so important to be plugged into community. And the third is this. We need to take small steps of faith to apply what God says every day. I had an opportunity to sit down with a friend of mine about three days ago, and he said, Kevin, you're not going to believe this. He said, Kevin, this last series, for the first time, and I don't know how long, in this last series, I've been applying what I've been learning every single week, and it's changing my life. I was like, yeah, yeah, duh. Uh, that, that's what I tell you every week. And he was like, oh, I know, I know, but listen, I heard Pastor Ron say it last week. Man, he's changing my life. I was like, well, great for Ron. That's fantastic. <laughs> but, but listen, listen, how many times do I say? How many times do I say? Just take a small step of faith. Put it into practice. It'll change your life. And I want to ask you, just do an internal check. When was the last time you heard something on Sunday and put it into practice? Because hearing won't change your life. Hearing and doing will change your life and lead to the wisdom of God. So put it into practice. As we wrap up our series together, I want us to read our question together. And I'm going to ask us to do something I usually don't do. I'm going to ask us to read it together out loud. And you know what? I speak quickly, so don't plan on doing a slow read. Plan on doing a quick read. Uh, we're going to put it up on the screen. You can pre-read it if you're nervous, okay? So you can pre-read and get ready. We're going to read this out loud because I don't, I don't want us to forget our big question for the series. So ready? One, two, three. In light of my past, my current, my future— what is the wise thing for me to do? Man, that is a great question, isn't it? That question will bring us incredible clarity about what we should do with our life. But that question won't guarantee that we actually do it. That question will bring us right to the edge of wisdom. But it won't guarantee that we actually step off and make a wise choice, will it? According to the Psalms, the beginning of wisdom doesn't come by asking that question. The beginning of wisdom begins when we choose to surrender and submit our lives to our loving Heavenly Father, to say, God, I'm going to put my life under your leadership. I'm going to surrender my life to you. It begins when we say to God, God, I'm going to write a check, a blank check with my life and I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to sign it over to you, and you can fill out the amount, and you can use my life for anything you want. And here's the great thing about it. Anytime we write a check to God, the return on investment is always better than if we try to do it on our own. So if you want a great ROI with your life, you got to write the check and give it to God and say, God, I surrender my life to you. And that's the beginning of wisdom, to say, God, whatever you say, whatever you say, I'm going to trust that you 
that you're for me. I'm going to trust that you have good plans for my life and that you can do through me more than I could ever do on my own. And as we wrap up the message this morning, I want to give us two tangible ways to take a step of faith and apply the things we're learning. And the first is this. In just a second, we're going to take communion together. So around the room, there are these tables. And on the tables, there's a little piece of bread and a little cup of juice. And on the night before Jesus gave his life on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins, Jesus was with his 12 closest friends, and he took a a loaf of bread, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, and he said, this is my body that's given for you. And then he took a cup of wine, but we're going to use juice, and he says, this is the cup of the new covenant, this new relationship that I'm pouring out in my blood, and my blood is going to pay for the forgiveness of your sins. And then he said to his followers, take and eat it and drink it, and as you do, remember me, remember me. So each week at New Life, we take communion and we remember that God gave everything to prove to us, hey, I'm for you. I'm not against you and I've got great plans for you. And I did everything so that you could be forgiven and have a relationship with your heavenly Father. And so in just a second, we're all going to stand together and you can go to the tables and grab your communion, your bread and your juice and go back to your seat and take communion. But if you're here today and you've never entered into a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, You would say God's always been some distant deity out there that I heard about at church when I was a kid, but he's never been like a personal, loving, heavenly father in here. Then I want to encourage you, today is the day for you to surrender your life to God, to write that check and hand it over to him. And you can do it really simply. Go up and just take communion. And when you take your communion back to the table, just pray a simple prayer like this. God, I believe that you love me and I want to have a relationship with you. And God will honor that prayer and God will come and he will, he will partner with you in life as you surrender your life to him. And if you're ready to make that decision today, I want to encourage you, go up and grab the communion, the bread and the juice, and then go back to your seat and pray that prayer and commit your life to God. It's the greatest decision you could ever make with your life. And it's the beginning of wisdom. And the second way for us to apply what we're learning today is through baptism. It's through baptism. We have the opportunity now to watch people say, you know what? I used to live on my own. I used to write my own checks. But today I'm communicating to our whole community that my life is God's 100% and I'm turning it over to him. And so we put you in some water and we'll pray for you. And then, and then we just lower you down, which signifies I'm dying to my old way of living. And then we raise you up out of the water, which signifies I'm being raised to new life with God. And it's an incredible experience. It's an outward expression of the transformation God has done in you. And I know a few of you are are probably planning on getting baptized today, but I want to talk to those of you who aren't planning on getting baptized today. If you've never been baptized as a follower of Jesus, here's where this is just such a great step of faith. To say, God, I'm going to step out and do what you've called me to do, even if I don't fully understand it right now. I want to encourage you, if you've never been baptized, to come up and get baptized. I, I know you weren't planning on it, but listen, Jesus said this great thing. He said, when you become a follower of me, get baptized. That's the next thing he said to do. And and here's the thing about it. It wasn't a suggestion like, hey, if you're feeling too dry today, get baptized. He said, I command you when something happens in here to express it physically through baptism. And if you've never been baptized as a believer, it's time to follow God in that and just to say yes to him. And we've got a shirt for you uh, to throw on over your clothes. We've got a towel for you. We'll take your picture. It'll be great. I know some of you, you're scared of water. Listen, we've never lost anybody and there's a nurse sitting right over here. So you'll be fine. You'll be fine. We will bring you right back. It'll be great. It'll be great. But why wait? Why wait? You've heard me. Some of you have heard me say this 10 times over the years. Why wait? Today's your day. 
Today's your day. Pastor Ron will be right here. He would love to baptize you. I will be right here. I would love to baptize you. If a friend is here or a family member and they've been instrumental in your faith and you want them to baptize you, just bring them up. They can baptize you. We'll tell them what to do and how to go about that process, but don't let today pass you by without saying, God, I'm going to take a step and trust you and experience your faithfulness as I take a step of faith. Let's pray together. Then we'll go to communion and baptism. Lord, thank you so much that as we take small steps of faith, that over and over again, you prove your faithfulness. That the more we follow you, the more we see we can trust you. And the more we choose to trust you, the more we desire to follow you. And so as we, as we wrap up this series, Lord, I'm asking on behalf of our community today that you would help us to go all in with you, to write that check and to sign it over to you with our lives and allow you to do with it as you please. Because I believe that what you want to do in our lives is, is infinitely greater than what we can do in our own lives. And I'm praying for my friends right now, Lord, who are just now, even in this moment, making a decision to follow you. God, would your spirit prompt them in this moment and reveal yourself to them so that they would make a decision to give their lives to you today. And for my friends who have never been baptized, would you, would you encourage them and call them and bring them up now, Lord, so they could experience you through baptism. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.